Leslie Castle Letters four to six from Love and Friendship and Other Early Works by Jane Austen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Letter the fourth from Miss C. Luttrell to Miss M. Leslie, Bristol, February twenty seventh. My dear Peggy, I have just received your letter which being directed to Sussex, while I was at Bristol, was obliged to be forwarded to me here, and from some unaccountable delay has but this instant reached me. I return you many thanks for the account it contains of Leslie's acquaintance, love and marriage with Louisa, which has not the less entertained me for having often been repeated to me before. I have the satisfaction of informing you that we have every reason to imagine our pantry is by this time nearly cleared, as we left particular orders with the servants to eat as hard as they possibly could, and to call in a couple of chairwomen to assist them. We brought a cold pigeon pie, a cold turkey, a cold tongue, and half a dozen jellies with us which we were lucky enough with the help of our landlady her husband and their three children to get rid of in less than two days after our arrival poor eloisa is still so very indifferent both in health and spirits and i very much fear the air of the bristol downs healthy as it is has not been able to drive poor henry from her remembrance you ask me whether your new mother-in-law is handsome and amiable. I will now give you an exact description of her bodily and mental charms. She is short and extremely well made, is naturally pale, but rouges a great deal, has fine eyes and fine teeth, as she will take care to let you know as soon as she sees you, and is altogether very pretty. She is remarkably good-tempered when she has her own way, and very lively when she is not out of humour. She is naturally extravagant and not very affected. She never reads anything but the letters she receives from me, and never writes anything but her answers to them. She plays, sings, and dances, but has no taste for either, and excels in none, though she says she is passionately fond of all. Perhaps you may flatter me so far as to be surprised that one of whom I speak with so little affection should be my particular friend. But to tell you the truth, our friendship arose rather from a caprice on her side than esteem on mine. We spent two or three days together with a lady in Berkshire, with whom we both happened to be connected. During our visit, the weather being remarkably bad, and our party particularly stupid, she was so good as to conceive a violent partiality for me, which very soon settled into a downright friendship, and ended in an established correspondence. She is probably by this time as tired of me as I am of her, but as she is too polite and I am too civil to say so, our letters are still as frequent and affectionate as ever, and our attachment as firm and sincere as when it first commenced. 
as she had a great taste for the pleasures of london and of brighthelmstone she will i dare say find some difficulty in prevailing on herself even to satisfy the curiosity i dare say she feels of beholding you at the expense of quitting those favourite haunts of dissipation for the melancholy though venerable gloom of the castle you inhabit perhaps however if she finds her health impaired by too much amusement she may acquire fortitude sufficient to undertake a journey to scotland in the hope of its proving at least beneficial to her health if not conducive to her happiness your fears i am sorry to say concerning your father's extravagance your own fortunes your mother's jewels and your sister's consequence i should suppose are but too well founded my friend herself has four thousand pounds and will probably spend nearly as much every year in dress and public places if she can get it she will certainly not endeavour to reclaim sir george from the manner of living to which she has been so long accustomed and there is therefore some reason to fear that you will be very well off if you get any fortune at all the jewels i should imagine too will undoubtedly be hers and there is too much reason to think that she will preside at her husband's table in preference to his daughter but as so melancholy a subject must necessarily extremely distress you i will no longer dwell on it eloisa's indisposition has brought us to bristol at so unfashionable a season of the year that we have actually seen but one genteel family since we came mr and mrs marlowe are very agreeable people the ill health of their little boy occasioned their arrival here you may imagine that being the only family with whom we can converse we are of course on a footing of intimacy with them we see them indeed almost every day and dined with them yesterday we spent a very pleasant day and had a very good dinner though to be sure the veal was terribly underdone and the curry had no seasoning i could not help wishing all dinner-time that i had been at the dressing it a brother of mrs marlowe mr cleveland is with them at present he is a good-looking young man and seems to have a good deal to say for himself i tell eloisa that she should set her cap at him but she does not at all seem to relish the proposal i should like to see the girl married and cleveland has a very good estate perhaps you may wonder that i do not consider myself as well as my sister in my matrimonial projects but to tell you the truth i never wish to act a more principal part at a wedding than the superintending and directing the dinner and therefore while i can get any of my acquaintance to marry for me i shall never think of doing it myself as i very much suspect that i should not have so much time for dressing my own wedding dinner as for dressing that of my friends yours sincerely c l letter the fifth miss margaret leslie to miss charlotte luttrell leslie castle march eighteenth on the same day that i received your last kind letter matilda received one from sir george which was dated from edinburgh and informed us that he should do himself the pleasure of introducing lady leslie to us on the following evening 
this as you may suppose considerably surprised us particularly as your account of her ladyship had given us reason to imagine there was little chance of her visiting scotland at a time that london must be so gay as it was our business however to be delighted at such a mark of condescension as a visit from sir george and lady lesley we prepared to return them an answer expressive of the happiness we enjoyed in expectation of such a blessing when luckily recollecting that as they were to reach the castle the next evening it would be impossible for my father to receive it before he left edinburgh we contented ourselves with leaving them to suppose that we were as happy as we ought to be at nine in the evening on the following day they came accompanied by one of lady lesley's brothers her ladyship perfectly answers the description you sent me of her except that i do not think her so pretty as you seem to consider her she has not a bad face but there is something so extremely unmajestic in her little diminutive figure as to render her in comparison with the elegant height of matilda and myself an insignificant dwarf her curiosity to see us which must have been great to bring her more than four hundred miles being now perfectly gratified she already begins to mention their return to town and has desired us to accompany her we cannot refuse her request since it is seconded by the commands of our father and thirded by the entreaties of mr fitzgerald who is certainly one of the most pleasing young men i ever beheld it is not yet determined when we are to go but whenever we do we shall certainly take our little louisa with us adieu my dear charlotte matilda unites in best wishes to you and eloisa with yours ever m l letter the sixth lady lesley to miss charlotte luttrell lesley castle march twentieth we arrived here my sweet friend about a fortnight ago and i already heartily repent that i ever left our charming house in portman square for such a dismal old weather-beaten castle as this you can form no idea sufficiently hideous of its dungeon-like form it is actually perched upon a rock to appearance so totally inaccessible that i expected to have to be pulled up by a rope and sincerely repented having gratified my curiosity to behold my daughters at the expense of being obliged to enter their prison in so dangerous and ridiculous a manner but as soon as i once found myself safely arrived in the inside of this tremendous building i comforted myself with the hope of having my spirits revived by the sight of two beautiful girls such as the miss lesleys had been represented to me at edinburgh but here again i met with nothing but disappointment and surprise matilda and margaret lesley are two great tall out-of-the-way overgrown girls just of a proper size to inhabit a castle almost as large in comparison as themselves i wish my dear charlotte that you could but behold these scotch giants i am sure they would frighten you out of your wits they will do very well as foils for myself so i have invited them to accompany me to london where i hope to be in the course of a fortnight 
besides these two fair damsels i found a little humoured brat here who i believe is some relation to them they told me who she was and gave me a long rigmarole story of her father and a miss somebody which i have entirely forgot i hate scandal and detest children i have been plagued ever since i came here with tiresome visits from a parcel of scotch wretches with terrible hard names they were so civil gave me so many invitations and talked of coming again so soon that i could not help affronting them i suppose i shall not see them any more and yet as a family party we are so stupid that i do not know what to do with myself these girls have no music but scotch airs no drawings but scotch mountains and no books but scotch poems and i hate everything scotch in general i can spend half the day at my toilette with a great deal of pleasure but why should i dress here since there is not a creature in the house whom i have any wish to please i have just had a conversation with my brother in which he has greatly offended me and which as i have nothing more entertaining to send you i will give you the particulars of you must know that i have for these four or five days past strongly suspected william of entertaining a partiality to my eldest daughter i own indeed that had i been inclined to fall in love with any woman i should not have made choice of matilda leslie for the object of my passion for there is nothing i hate so much as a tall woman but however there is no accounting for some men's taste and as william is himself nearly six feet high it is not wonderful that he should be partial to that height now as i have a very great affection for my brother and should be extremely sorry to see him unhappy which i suppose he means to be if he cannot marry matilda as moreover i know that his circumstances will not allow him to marry any one without a fortune and that matilda's is entirely dependent on her father who will neither have his own inclination nor my permission to give her anything at present i thought it would be doing a good-natured action by my brother to let him know as much in order that he might choose for himself whether to conquer his passion or love and despair accordingly finding myself this morning alone with him in one of the horrid old rooms of this castle i opened the cause to him in the following manner well my dear william what do you think of these girls for my part i do not find them so plain as i expected but perhaps you may think me partial to the daughters of my husband and perhaps you are right they are indeed so very like sir george that it is natural to think my dear susan cried he in a tone of the greatest amazement you do not really think they bear the least resemblance to their father he is so very plain but i beg your pardon i had entirely forgotten to whom i was speaking oh pray don't mind me replied i every one knows sir george is horribly ugly and i assure you i always thought him a fright you surprise me extremely answered william by what you say both with respect to sir george and his daughters you cannot think your husband so deficient in personal charms as you speak of nor can you surely see any resemblance between him and the miss leslies who are in my opinion 
perfectly unlike him and perfectly handsome if that is your opinion with regard to the girls it certainly is no proof of their father's beauty for if they are perfectly unlike him and very handsome at the same time it is natural to suppose that he is very plain by no means said he for what may be pretty in a woman may be very unpleasing in a man but you yourself replied i but a few minutes ago allowed him to be very plain men are no judges of beauty in their own sex said he neither men nor women can think sir george tolerable well well said he we will not dispute about his beauty but your opinion of his daughters is surely very singular for if i understood you right you said you did not find them so plain as you expected to do why do you find them plainer then said i i can scarcely believe you to be serious returned he when you speak of their persons in so extraordinary a manner do not you think the miss lesleys are two very handsome young women lord no cried i i think them terribly plain plain replied he my dear susan you cannot really think so why what single feature in the face of either of them can you possibly find fault with oh trust me for that replied i come i will begin with the eldest with matilda shall i william i looked as cunning as i could when i said it in order to shame him they are so much alike said he that i should suppose the faults of one would be the faults of both well then in the first place they are both so horribly tall they are taller than you are indeed said he with a saucy smile nay said i i know nothing of that well but he continued though they may be above the common size their figures are perfectly elegant and as to their faces their eyes are beautiful i never can think such tremendous knock-me-down figures in the least degree elegant and as for their eyes they are so tall that i never could strain my neck enough to look at them nay replied he i know not whether you may not be in the right in not attempting it for perhaps they might dazzle you with their lustre oh certainly said i with the greatest complacency for i assure you my dearest charlotte i was not in the least offended though by what followed one would suppose that william was conscious of having given me just cause to be so for coming up to me and taking my hand he said you must not look so grave susan you will make me fear i have offended you offended me dear brother how came such a thought in your head returned i no really i assure you that i am not in the least surprised at your being so warm an advocate for the beauty of these girls well but interrupted william remember that we have not yet concluded our dispute concerning them what fault do you find with their complexion they are so horribly pale they have always a little colour and after any exercise it is considerably heightened 
yes but if there should ever happen to be any rain in this part of the world they will never be able to raise more than their common stock except indeed they amuse themselves with running up and down these horrid old galleries and antechambers well replied my brother in a tone of vexation and glancing an impertinent look at me if they have but little colour at least it is all their own this was too much my dear charlotte for i am certain that he had the impudence by that look of pretending to suspect the reality of mine but you i am sure will vindicate my character whenever you may hear it so cruelly aspersed for you can witness how often i have protested against wearing rouge and how much i always told you i disliked it and i assure you that my opinions are still the same well not bearing to be so suspected by my brother i left the room immediately and have been ever since in my own dressing-room writing to you what a long letter i have made of it but you must not expect to receive such from me when i get to town for it is only at lesley castle that one has time to write even to a charlotte luttrell i was so much vexed by william's glance that i could not summon patience enough to stay and give him that advice respecting his attachment to matilda which had first induced me from pure love to him to begin the conversation and i am now so thoroughly convinced by it of his violent passion for her that i am certain he would never hear reason on the subject and i shall therefore give myself no more trouble either about him or his favourite adieu my dear girl yours affectionately susan l end of leslie castle letters four to six